Hi, everyone. My name's Greg Knight. And I'm Ricardo Avila. The Popping Collars marketing department has let Ricardo and I know that we have a problem with attracting and retaining younger listeners, you know, because we're old. (laughs) So we've recently purchased a Zoom millennial translator for our podcast promos so that young people will finally know what we're talking about. Let's fire up. Since we're the longest running Episcopal podcast, we have a lot of shows sitting in our archives. Stop the cap. You are straight up wiling. All that mid stuff is TLDR. That's why we have the PC side pod take two, which allows us to go back and reevaluate some of our past episodes. Leo pointing meme. Stop gaslighting me, bro. You're trying to red pill me right now with this Finsta account. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) <laughs> oh god i don't even understand what is leo pointing theme for real we haven't always had the greatest takes in the world and some pop culture has shifted pretty significantly take two gives us the chance to admit where we made mistakes and highlight how pop culture has evolved over the last couple of years <laughs> i was today years old when i learned about this i apologize i was not familiar with your game You got that dog in you. (laughs) NGL, I did not have this on my 2023 bingo card. So check check out Take Two right here on the Popping Colors feed and relive our wisdom and more frequently our embarrassment firsthand. This is fine. We live in a society. Chef's kiss. I was this close to rage quitting, but this idea is pretty grammable. Y'all are the goat Episcopod, G-O-A-T, Episcopod. Okay, Ricardo, we can turn off the translator and head off to lunch now. I could go beast mode on some food right now. T-T-Y-L, peeps. Uh, we may have a problem. (laughs) What is T-T-Y-L? Talk to you later. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, Was that the first time you met uh, Taylor? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's fairly new, so I I don't like to talk about it. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, obviously everybody saw me. I was in the, I was in the boxes with, with her and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, another thing that's amped up my life. Yeah. What was she like? What was it? I mean, you, so you got to know her a little bit, got to see with a couple games. How was it? was okay yeah. <laughs> we both we both met her and she's we've always sort of just been delighted by her way yeah 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 last night we let the liquor talk i can't remember everything we said but we said it all you told me that you wish i was somebody you never met but baby baby something's telling me this ain't over yet no way it was our last night. I kissed your lips. Make you grip the sheets with your fingertips. Last bottle of Jack. Welcome to Popping Collars, a podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. Longest running Episcopal podcast in the history of forever and ever. <laughs> Man. Hang on. Uh, oh, and on the fly, we're doing a search. We are the number. Number one. Oh, oh, I think we, oh, 
I guess. Oh no! Is this going to be disappointing? I don't want to do this then. If it's bad. Oh, never mind. We'll have to cut this part. I think we dropped out of the ranks of. Oh, we're, we're terrible have, in Botswana. We must What's have dropped on? out of the ranks of some of our uh, favorite countries here. Um, oh no! Mm, we don't seem to be charting. Sad. We don't seem to be charting with a specific number anymore. So. Oh no! <laughs> Where did you go, Guyana? I thought. Hold on. I thought this was our Charlie Brown Christmas time period. I thought we were riding high. Was it the insensitive jokes I made about Jonestown? <laughs> Is it what I said about Taylor Swift? What oh, happened? Oh, that's, oh, that's, it. that's it. That's it. That's it. It's the Swifties. Come the I think over. we can blame them. Yeah. The, the Swifty culture y'all. in Guyana uh, came back <laughs> to bite us there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we'll just say the number okay. one, the number one, uh, number one spirituality and religion podcast mm-hmm. in the world. In your heart, popping <laughs> In your heart, in the world. In your heart. Take that, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Greg Knight. I am the, I, I don't even remember anymore. I work at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co hosts. Uh, let's see. I always go east to west. So we'll go west to east. Ricardo Avila Ooh. is in California. Welcome, Ricardo. I certainly am. Thank you, Greg. Ricardo Avila, rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California. The weather's turning mighty cold now. It's uh, 54 degrees. Today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, all is well. All is well in Los Gatos. I, I really I have no anything I, I would want to report about my life cannot be uh, broadcast. So <laughs> move on. Wow. Too hot. Too hot. Whoa! Too hot for this. Fifty-four <laughs> degrees. Too hot. Too we're putting, hot. We're putting what Ricardo would normally say there behind the paywall. So if you no! subscribe to our Patreon, Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> uh, oh man! Wait for it. You'll get the, you'll get the hot Ricardo guys. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's see. Liz always goes second, so we'll go Betsy next. Betsy. Where are you? What are you up to? Okay, your west to east is falling apart as we speak. (laughs) Okay, so Betsy Carmody, head chaplain at the Episcopal High School here in Alexandria, Virginia, where we are about 20 degrees colder than Ricardo. But I will say 50-something for Ricardo is, that's pretty cold, right? Like, I've been been advising, like, a, a friend of mine here has a young baby, it's about the age that my baby was when we moved out to California. And I'm like, you got to get a fleece zip up situation for the baby, right? Covers hands and feet, right? That's all my child needed in Northern California. And she was good to go. That will not be the situation here in Northern Virginia. I don't think, right? The farmer's almanac has told us we're going to have at least two feet of snow. Everyone here is really banking on that. But my question is, is that spread out over several months? <laughs> is that all at once? I don't know. But Dude, the kids gosh. here really want some snow. They want some snow. They feel deprived. But it is early winter. We've got no guarantees. But we are heading into exams. We're kind of in that zone. of trying to keep a clear mind and a clean dorm room. 
and we are moving into it, into an Advent season of preparedness. Mm. And that is where we are. Are snow days still days off in the? There are no snow days, and but there are no. There's no crying in baseball, Greg, and there is no snow days in boarding school. Wow, that's not a thing. There can sometimes be a delayed start of school, maybe if there's a lot of ice on the walkways here at school, maybe. But Mm. that that is rare. Wow, let's go to the real frozen tundra. Let's go to Liz. Let's Liz, get where it gets Liz is real. Sort of smugly sitting back and sort of looking yeah. like you're talking Ricardo about. Ricardo and I are oh, our cute. weak sauce. Bunch of let's babies go to, out let's there. Let's go to Liz. That's right. Yes, um, I'm Liz Easton. I'm the canon to the ordinary in Omaha, Nebraska, where apparently, according to Betsy, I have a really depressing kitchen. I didn't. <laughs> wow. Know. I didn't know. That is true. We took a Liz. We didn't need to bring time. that up on the regular. No, I just, you need some artwork in your kitchen. It's never even occurred to me. No, it's because the rest of your apartment is so well appointed. You have artwork in your bathroom? No, but I don't. I have a very weird bathroom that has tiles all the way up all the walls. Mm. Yeah, see, that's not helping. No, that's not not helpful. It is weird. (laughs) Um, weird. It's cold here. (laughs) Today is actually not that cold, but um, yeah, winter is finally coming. We had our first snow recently. Which um, was nice, I guess. I really tried to get ahead of the seasonal depression this year. Hmm. And as early as October, I was breaking. What up do you do? What, what does that mean? Well, it's about it's about my morning routine <gasps> mainly. Yeah, got to get up early. Yes, say my prayers. Um, take my yeah. vitamins. Vitamins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Drink okay. my okay. water. Okay. Then eat breakfast under my UV satellite. Yep, and then yep. I'm good to go. Hop in the shower, and I'm good to go. But um, okay. basically, it requires an earlier morning so that I can, you know, get all my okay. business done. And so far, so good. It's working so far, so I'm excited about that. That's cool, so, Liz. You've talked about seasonal affective disorder before. Mm-hmm. Is there a time period where it kind of starts for you? Is it daylight like savings time? Oh, okay. So daylight. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't realize that until recently. It it for me at least. And I don't think I have actual seasonal depression. I'm not actually depressed and I don't have this diagnosis, but I get like the winter blues. It really is tied to the time change, specifically in the evening. Like when it gets dark at five o'clock, I just cannot wrap my head around the fact that I have to stay up for like five more hours. I'm like, you're kidding me. There's something in my like circadian rhythm that just can't ever adjust. So it's all about cozy. I'm just I'm just embracing the cozy this year. I, you know, Liz, can I just say I am so with you on that. Mm. Uh, I had a similar realization. I don't think it's as you know. I don't have the sad light or anything, but five o'clock. Actually, it's more like five thirty over here. Mm-hmm. I think, but it, it you really you just want to be home and cozy. Like I do not want to go out for anything. Yeah. And so I realized I have to get up early, and I've been doing it. I've actually taken long walks. I have a personal trainer. I saw yesterday at 7 30 in the morning which is early for me and you just if you shift your whole life a little bit when i get home and it's only 5 30 or 6 and it feels like it's midnight i look at that and say, i still have two hours to read or something mm-hmm. and that feels mm. good i go to the gym at night partly because i don't want to do it in the morning and partly because it gives me something to do mm you know to fill that time but um mm-hmm. yeah it's rough it's rough for me so anyway 
But other than that, I'm doing fine. Great. <laughs> you know, Christendom is collapsing around us, but I'm doing fine. Great. Uh, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the church as we know it. Oh. And I feel fine. <laughs> yeah, we may be uh we may be a little uh in our eggnog right now because it's our end of the year. End of the year uh, pod. Uh, where we look back over the year that was and we pick an item that stood out to us and had meaning for us or resonated for us in some way. It could be something from 2023 specifically. could be something that we just discovered in 2023. But it's kind of our best of episode, our best of the year episode where we each go around and uh, talk about something that made an impact on us for this year. So I guess that's good enough for an intro, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you guys it's know what knows. you got. Him. You guys know what an end of the year episode is. They it's get this. it. They get it. Gosh, you got... We we really we hold too many hands on this podcast. You guys like okay. we should just say it's the end of the year pod and just get straight to it. You know, like, you know what it is. That's yeah. not very seeker friendly, though. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. All right. Uh, we're kicking things off with Ricardo. Oh, I mean, uh, and we know he's prepared. We know he's ready. That's you know, he is ready this. to go. He wasn't hoping to listen to anybody you... else's contributions. No. He's ready to get it. I'm ready to go. I have go. to say, Greg, I did not see the bag. I only saw the hand mm-hmm. and the two. But we're going to let it slide. Are you. Oh my gosh. I mean, again, continued calling a BS on the back. I'm just going to say, all right, go for it, Ricardo. All right, here we go. So you're going to be pissed because um, I actually really want to tell you a story. Great. Why would that be not my pick? And I know it's much later where you all are. And if Liz Easton is not having it on that face, I can see that face. She's not having it. (laughs) I do have a really bad resting um, stern face. I'm fine. You should use that more, Liz. No, I do. Oh, <laughs> all right. This will take two minutes, and my my, my actual mm-hmm. choice will take about three total. So, um, I flew first class for the very first time on the way back from my trip to Wisconsin in November, from Chicago to SF San Francisco, and I've never flown first class and. They really do use actual plates and silverware. They really do serve you warm nuts in a bowl. And you really do get a drink before any of the, you know, plebes and coach go by you. Everyone, I had the drink. But I got to tell you, it's just weird. Like watching, like you're so cushy and cozy in a big chair that's like twice the size and all these people are straggling in moms with their two kids and I feel guilty you know it's just like it was weird but I sat next to someone who it turns out was kind of famous he 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 came by me to get into the window seat because there's only two seats there and I said oh do you need me to get out it's like no no I'll fit and he fit right through because there's so much space and he said, oh, but my back hurts from all the years playing baseball. And I said, oh, okay. Then later on, I said, oh, did you play baseball? Like, he said, oh, yeah, for a long time. I said, oh, like for a living? He said, yeah, yeah, you could say that. I said, oh, are you like famous? I love this. <laughs> he said, no, I love this already. I want to talk about, I mean, you know, were you good? Well, that's not for me to say. I said, okay. 
well, I don't really know anything about sports. And so that was that, right? And so then I'm like, I'm just getting curious. And then I look over and he's got his phone out. We haven't taken off yet. And he's got a photo of a jersey on there. And he's looking at it. And it says Henderson 24. First of all, I would like to thank God for giving me that opportunity. I want to thank the Haas family, the Oakland organization, the city of Oakland, and all y'all beautiful fans for supporting me. Luke Brock was the symbol of great base stealing, but today I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. And so I'm like, I wonder if that's it, and he's just looking at a jersey or whatever. So then later on, I, I said, excuse me, and I, I Googled him, or I Googled the Henderson 24 baseball, wow. right? And so this name comes up, and I said, excuse me, I... I have to confess I did something bad. I looked over at your phone and I couldn't help but notice you were looking at a jersey that said Henderson 24. Are you this person? And it was a name and it was Ricky Henderson. And I said, he said, oh, well, I don't know. And then I scrolled down. Is that you in the photo? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. So it turns out he's like a Hall of Famer. He has it the turns most- out he's the greatest base stealer ever in the history of the major leagues. Yes. <laughs> he's got like the world record of all time for stolen bases. What? <laughs> know him. Yes, Ricky Anderson. And I was like, oh, that's you. Wow. And he said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, that's really cool. <laughs> I said, I don't have any questions for you. Um, but he said, yeah, I had the, uh, you know, he, I think he had the picture up because he was trying to decide whether to say who he was, which wouldn't have made a difference to me because I don't know who he is. But um, I said, well, I'm trying know- to think about what sort of clues I could drop out myself as a priest. Like, oh my God, my back really hurts from this hard orons. All been that holding. genuflecting. Oh my God. All yeah. that genuflecting I've been Woo. doing. Like, oh man, my back. I got prayer hands. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. The prayer hands. And okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm Ricky. Okay. So it turns out. So, so it's Ricky Henderson. right? <laughs> was, oh, I said, I've got friends who would be mad if I didn't ask you at least a question or two. I was like, so wow. where did you play? Oh, well, mostly for the Oakland A's. Oh, well, did you win any world series? He's like, yeah, for Oakland. Yeah. Oh, really? What year? And he's like, oh. I'm like, come on, you remember. And he's like, he's like, 1989. I said, that's when the earthquake happened. And it was right here in the Bay Area. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, in a weird way, it was a blessing that the World Series was on because people were like the usual rush hour that would have happened at five when the earthquake happened. Right. People were watching the game at home or I don't know what, right? And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, we had to, it was game three, I think he said, and we had to put it off for two weeks and then Oakland won and they did it in some different stadium or something. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. And it turns out- Were you kind of flirting with Ricky Henderson on the airplane? He was kind of handsome. Well, I bet. He looks looks good. Were you all about the same age? No, he's 64, it said on the Wikipedia. So So were you all about the same age? I'm 57. <laughs> That's a. That's I am nice. kidding and giving you the business. Anyway, I, you know. Because I love you. But he was great. I mean, he was really friendly. I mean, he's nice. Did you tell him because that you were a priest and also a host of a very popular Episcopal podcast? I didn't. He didn't really seem that interested in me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is okay. 
But um, so that was a, a famous person yeah. sighting. And uh, wow. he has like royal records for things like Hall of Fame and such. So that's yes, cool. it turns out that Ricky Henderson is a very good baseball player and is extremely <laughs> famous in the world. Yeah, of can we turn this over to Greg or our local baseball aficionado? Greg, do you have? Is there a straight add? man in this room? Wow, is there a straight man on the pod? Well, that Greg we likes the baseball. Yeah. Greg, do you have anything else? Uh, to add this, about? this is where I'm going to play the clip uh, where Ricky Henderson breaks the breaks the the all time steal record and then announces himself the greatest player in the history of the yeah, <laughs> I got in trouble for that i read that later and i realized when i said well are you good like, no it's not for me to say he's still like <laughs> burned from that i'm the greatest of all time thing what? Like, why people call themselves the greatest of all time yeah, all the time it's awesome on, ricky henderson ridiculous. is awesome where's he is he for is he from from california where's he from he was born in chicago okay and moved to apparently he was in Arkansas or something for a little while, but when he was seven, mm. he moved to the Bay Area to Oakland. I said, "Interesting." I left Chicago when I was seven. It didn't seem that. Look at the mirroring of your. Really, a lot in common. Anyway, um, he um, and you're around the same age. I was good. I was good. I wish I were it. in as good a shape as. Uh, can we all? I wish I was as good as Jeff Jordan or something. Oh, okay, last thing. My next door neighbor. Five hours later. That's anyway, funny. That's my story. Okay, so I've got my pick. I love it. I have a two. celebrity a sighting. Cele- he was a real celebrity. Yeah, I mean, it was a real celebrity. Be like <laughs> sitting next to Michael Jordan. I'm like, oh, this guy says he plays basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Were you any good? Were you any good? You got any you... records out there? Tell me about it, Ricky. That's so cute. He, he won a second World Series with the Toronto Blue Jays. I, I looked online, but I think he wasn't playing very well at that time. And so he didn't even mention it when I asked him. Check out the archives where Dan, Jocelyn, Simitoski, and I talk about the Toronto Blue Jays winning the World Series. Ricky Henderson plays a key part oh. in the Blue Jays getting their walk-off home run. I'm telling you, why doesn't Ricky Henderson know about this podcast? Because evidently we have been tooting <laughs> his car. horn for quite a while, Ricky. Get up on this business. Come on. So this part you should cut out, but he's got No, we won't. Eyes. No, got, we won't. He's got great, like his thighs in his jeans. Like tree trunks? Were um, supple. Like, like <laughs> that a, is like an underappreciated, in my estimation, an underappreciated part of a man. Like a nice and Japanese God. maple. Like a good, like just right there. I don't think Chef's I want to kiss. do the tree analogy. I love it. That's, that's gonna I mean, none of no, this stuff is in the pod. It. You're making great jokes, but none of it is in the pod. <laughs> Why can't, Greg? <laughs> You can put it. Why in. can't we create? We can't compare people to God's creation. Absolutely, good Christians can admire the human form and not. <laughs> Absolutely, that is fine. Okay, here's my pick for the end of the year: Ricky Anderson. Ricky Anderson, <laughs> his thighs specifically, and his supple, active thighs. All right, Greg. That's now, can you pull me first? No, Ricardo That's right. has can another you... thing to do. 
I haven't done my pick. That's not my pick. Yeah, that's not. I love that story. pick. That was just a story. That was gonna be three minutes and turned <laughs> just into two, <laughs> just two minutes tops. <laughs> well, you interrupted. <laughs> no, I love it all. I I think that should be it. Okay, my pick is simple. Um, but I need to look at my little notes. I have been so disappointed by the New York Times. 10 best books of the year Same. lately. And I, I, in fact, I would say disillusioned is the right word. Did you not like this list they came out with today? We're not into it. I don't. And you know, the thing is they might be great books, but I don't think so. <laughs> Cause I've not heard of them. And there's so many good books out there that didn't make the cut. It's a and, real shocker. Yeah. Thank you. So I've been, you know, so how do I, so basically I'm tooling around trying to find a way and I've had, I've read those books, you know, cause all oh, the top 10, I'm going to read them or listen on audiobook, And like half of them are like, why did they choose this? So my pick for the best of the year is a book that was not in the New York times top 10, blah, blah, blah of last year. It came out in 2022 and I really liked it. Um, and it's by a guy named Jess Walter. And the novel I read of his that I loved was called Beautiful Ruins that came out in like 2012. It was terrific. Um, and this this is an under-the-radar pick, so you're probably not have heard of it. It's a, a, a book of short stories called The Angel of Rome, and it came out in summer 2022, Jess Walter Fiction. Mother was a stunner. She was so beautiful, men would stop mid-step on the street to watch her walk by. When I was little, I would see them out of the corner of my eye and look back, my hand still in hers. Sometimes I'd wonder if the ogling man was my father. But I don't think the man ever saw me. And my mother didn't notice them, or pretended not to notice, or had stopped noticing. She'd simply pull my hand toward the crescent, or the Bon Marche, or the fountain at Newberry's, wherever we were going that day. Come on, Tanya, no dawdling. This could have been my mother's motto in 1974. No dawdling. I was nine then, and mother 31. She had four or five boyfriends at any given time. She eliminated them like murder suspects. We lived in a small apartment above a jewelry store where mother worked as a greeter. I think the owner's theory was that men wouldn't dicker over carrots if my tall, striking, mini-skirted mother was looking over their shoulders— Oh, that's beautiful. Your wife is very lucky. She seemed to have a date whenever she wanted one, at least three or four a week. I knew them by profession. I'm seeing the pilot tonight, she would say from a cloud of hairspray, or with a dismissive roll of her eyes, the lawyer's taking me to see Galley. Mother left me alone in the apartment when she went on these dates, and I fed myself and put myself to bed. But she was always there when I woke in the morning, sometimes hurrying the pilot or the lawyer out the door. After one of the men spent the night, I'd wonder if he might stick around for a while. But the next day he was gone, and in his place was a fireman or an accountant. Then, And day, what I love about it is the, the stories are about real people thoughtfully told, and there's not like violence or nastiness or people who are like, I don't know, sarcastic all the time, or people who are cynical. It's just like real people with hard stuff going on, and they find little sweet connections. And that sounds 
like, oh, that's nice. But I actually find it almost revolutionary these days to find literature like that, that actually feels lived in and um, relatable. And so uh, the short stories, I'll just say briefly, for example, one of them is called Mr. Voice. And it's the, the, the narrator of the story is like a teenage girl. And her mother remarries this guy who's kind of known for his voice on radio announcements and stuff. And she thinks he's, he's like balding. Her mother's beautiful. This guy's like balding and he's got a lot of money. So she married him for the money, blah, blah, blah. And then she runs off and the stepfather winds up raising the girl. And he turns out to be a real gem of a guy. He Mm -hmm. takes care of her. He, you know, tells her to remember that she's wonderful and loved, even though the mother abandoned her. So he turns out to be a real mensch. And that's the sort of thing. It's like you don't expect that because he he presents as like this. Oh, the Mister Voice, and um, he looks schlumpy or whatever. And she learns to really love him and appreciate him. And I just I was warmed. There's a quote in um, I forget what magazine. Maybe it's um, the Kirkus Reviews. But see, uh, the person said, "Not sure why this author is in such a good mood, but it's contagious. Prepare for delight." I would say serious stuff happens, uh, but it really is delightful. And how often do we get something that's delightful and actually feels authentic and it isn't schmaltzy and it isn't, like I said, cynical. And then one other story that really stuck out for me is there's a woman, she's young, she's probably in her thirties and she comes down with serious cancer, right? And her parents are kind of caring for her and they're being hypervigilant. And then she has this kind of loser ex-boyfriend and um, she kind of gets back in touch with him. And it turns out that he's a lovable kind of goof goof up. And through the whole story, he's doing all these stupid things, but he gives her fun. You know, they take this road trip to like Portland uh, from Idaho or something. She doesn't tell her parents. She just runs out and gets in the van. The van breaks down. He doesn't have any money. It's ridiculous. Mm. But she's like, I got I got to live for a few days again. And so it's just this real lovely, poignant stuff. So I probably, you know, it's a small book. It's not, you know, a blockbuster. It's not in the top 10 books of the New York Times. But I found it really moving and kind of life-affirming. So The Angel of Rome by Jess Walter was maybe not my favorite thing ever, but it was a fave of the year. And I will pick that. Thank you. Is Beautiful Ruins that book about the resort, that Take kind of crumbling in. resort or whatever's happening? Yes. I like his brushstrokes. I like the way he writes. And I have to imagine that if I like that, I'm going to like this. I think you'll really like it. Okay. And one more thing. Yeah. One of the other stories is called, uh, it's called Fran's Friend Has Cancer. And it's this cantankerous old couple sitting in a restaurant in Manhattan arguing about everything and they suddenly realize there's a young man at the next table and he's taking notes and it turns out he's eavesdropping and writing about them and so they're like, what are you doing you're writing about you're taking you're eavesdropping well not only that it turns out this is a spoiler alert it turns out not only is he eavesdropping he's actually writing the story of them so like mm. the, the husband had a thought internally that she sees the guy has written down and then he talks about something that's going to happen in the future to them. What if we're real people? What are you doing? So it's this meta thing, but mm. it's hilarious because 
this guy, he's being yelled at by his own characters. It's like, well, I'm just trying to write a story. I'm trying to have it have meaning and with voices mm-hmm. and you can't do that to us. So it's just a great mm-hmm. book. The Angel of Rome. I'm done. Great Who's job, next? Ricardo. Thank you. Yay. Next up is a G for Gregory. Gregory. Mm. So Maybe I'll send that book to Ricky Henderson. Yeah, you should. Oh, he'd love it. He'd bounce it on his thighs and read it. <laughs> That last part sounds like a what was the Will Ferrell movie? Stranger than Fiction is that what that was? Where he yeah, was like, I think so. You know, a mm-hmm. character in like Emma Thompson's book or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Okay, so I have uh, Betsy's going to love this. I have two honorable mentions. Of course you do, because no one can pick just one thing. I'll just run through them very quickly. They were two mm-hmm. things that made me laugh and giggle uncontrollably during the year. One was that one of my absolute favorite podcasts of all time, Meet My oh. Friends, The Friends. Came back, came back. Meet My Friends, The Friends. After a two-year hiatus. This is a, this is absurdist comedy just at such a high um, high level. Uh, it's produced by Tom Sharpling, and it's uh, it's a it's a spoof of recap podcasts, um, and it's got this whole sort of soap opera esque ongoing storyline that sort of like weaves everything together. But it all happens over the course of like talking about old friends episodes, and so it's just it's so hilarious. And it will go on hiatus for years and years and years. And it was it was gone for like the last two years. I almost unsubscribed. I didn't. And it's one of those happy accidents. It's just showed up in my feed again. So I love it. I love it. And it was it was a welcome, welcome thing to see in my podcast feed was meet my friends, the friends. Another thing that I discovered on YouTube, and this is just so dumb, but I love it. It's a, a YouTube creator who I don't even know what his name is, but the channel is called Red is Not a Flavor. And it's just kind of like three minute um, jokey videos, mostly about the challenge on MTV. (laughs) You know, it's something good. The challenge is something that I grow. The old real world road rules challenge I used to love. I don't watch. I hung on way too long, way too long. I don't watch those shows anymore, but it's just, it it just, every time I watch that, that those videos that the guy does, it just makes me laugh. Um, I'm a big teen mom fan and there's some crossover between there's teen mom and the challenge. Yes. Well, the challenge has started. It's no longer just real world people. It's like love is blind people and you know, whatever. Anybody that's ever been on a reality show is now like fodder for this thing. Yeah. Um, but my, my actual pick, and this is, this is really weird because I'm not sure how I'm going to play a clip from this without it sounding really bizarre. And, um, it's going to sound self-congratulatory, but it's actually not. My favorite thing from the year 2023 was the PC book club. Thousand percent. It was, it was my absolute favorite thing of the year. So I started this year by saying that I wanted to do two things. I wanted to read more and I wanted to um, take more pictures because I don't take enough pictures in life. Um, I failed at the second thing, but the first thing I actually did pretty good, uh, which is that I started 
with the first episode of PCBC from back in the day and just started reading books that Liz and Ricardo recommended. And I've made it about halfway. I'm on The Sentence by Louise Erdrich right now. Uh, I have a recommendation for you. (gasps) That's what we want. And for our readers. And in fact, the book is with me right here. So I'm going to grab it really quick. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm going to return it to the library today. So I'm really excited to recommend the book that I just finished, which is The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. So this book does two things that normally would be red flags for me that I would not like. The first is that it reflects on a period in history that has barely yet passed. So everything that happens in 2020, particularly in the Twin Cities. So we have the whole first part of the COVID pandemic is in this book and is reflected on. And so too is George Floyd's murder and how that affected Minneapolis and affected uh, Native American communities and really the whole country and the whole world. I think it's pretty arrogant to try to do a lot to create a lot of art about a thing that just happened. So that would normally be a red flag. The other thing is that Louise Erdrich is a character in the book. Barely. She's just um, a very minor character. And the bookstore that the book is set in is is definitely the bookstore that she owns and operates in Minneapolis. So I think that's weird too. But in the hands of a master like Louise Erdrich, it comes out beautifully. And I found it really helpful and impactful to read really beautiful literature about a period of time that I'm still struggling with. And I know a lot of us are. And to have this, a different perspective and a kind of contextualization of it in the context of like superb and beautiful writing like this is and what i found is that i'd read um having the pcbc episodes because i'll read the books and then i'll listen back to the episodes of liz and ricardo talking about those books and i'll think to myself oh that's interesting that's not how i that's not how i experienced the book at all uh or i'll i'll think oh wow i i never would have thought that that's why they picked the book but I'm I'm glad that I read it, you know, something like that. It's just it's it's something about sort of accountability, but also like this this sort of welcoming in, you know, it's not it's not like homework. I know Liz has talked about that before of like a lot of times people struggle with reading because they think back to their time at school and how reading was sort of assigned to them. And this feels like books that are assigned because I'm just kind of following this journey of PCBC, but it's it feels more like an invitation rather than like an assignment. It's like, hey, check out this thing. Um, the other thing that I really like about it is that it I find it interesting that you guys have very different tastes, but the way that you complement each other in your conversations make it feel like it's okay for, you know, for one person to like this type of book and the, another person to like this type of book, like it's all good, you know? And I, I really like, I, I think that that's something that is missing on sort of like uh critical, what's the word that I'm trying to think of, you know, just like recommendation podcasts or something like that. It's usually like people are locked into one thing and can't see like the New York Times 10 best books. Oh, exactly. God. What but, are um, your favorite yeah, so, reads? So, right? so PCBC was my favorite 
thing this year. And um, and I've loved sort of getting to know kind of a little bit more about, I don't know, the kind of the books that you guys recommend and why you recommend them. So there you go. That's, that is so sweet. That makes my day. What are your favorite reads so far this yeah, year? Same here, by the way. So yeah. my absolute favorite read was a Ricardo pick called Homegoing by Ya'a Gyasi. Yeah. Um, which is my, that's been my favorite book to read. I, I also really liked uh, the Night Watchman because mm-hmm. I like the way that Erdrich writes her books. Yeah, um, she's amazing. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, they're not, it's not really straightforward. You kind of have to figure out what the character is doing in the book, mm-hmm. you know? And they're generally good people. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I also really liked Damnation Spring. I mm-hmm. kind of struggled with the ending of that book. I felt like like the ending the kind bad of came ending. out of nowhere, but I really yeah. liked everything leading up to it. And, you know, it's funny. I just finished a book, uh, The Sisters of Sinai, that oh. Ricardo recommended um, that, his, that his church book club had read, I think was what he said. Yeah. And I was about three chapters in and I thought to myself, I hate this book. Like I can't, like, I'm not going to finish this book. This is really like, it feels slow and it feels like a lot of history and like all this stuff. And, but I did finish it. I sort of pressed on and I had like one Saturday where I read like the final half of it, you know, I just kind of like tore through it really quickly. And what I've realized is that of all the books that I've read, it's the book that I talk to people about mm. the most because I I find myself either recommending it to people or talking about insights that I had from the book or things that I learned from the book about sort of history and archaeology and, um, you know, uh, feminism, you know, in the 19th century, all of this stuff. Thank you, Greg. And we love PCBC, right, Ricardo? We always have fun. Oh, it's it's a weird chemistry that we have. It's just like right. we just do the banter and we're so genial. Like when I listen to them, it just feels nice. It's kind Last of weird. night I was talking to my mom and I was kind of in a bad mood. And she literally out of nowhere goes, have you talked to Ricardo recently? He's always uplifting. <laughs> yeah, like, he so is funny. and I'm going to see him tomorrow. That's really, I, I really, I do feel like, I feel a little bit like Ricky Henderson must have felt when I sat next to him and said, are you famous? <laughs> I feel like, yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Betsy. Who is me? Betsy. So I was going to go like big, and this was probably digging into my um, Taylor Swift dig from a couple of mm. episodes ago. I was going to mention my beautiful time at the Beyonce show mm. this year as a cultural 2023 touchstone. But then I started to kind of think about actually a couple of streaming shows that have really been impactful to me. And because that really has been where my wheelhouse of pop culture is, is really finding great streaming shows that I enjoy. And you know, I've enjoyed the bear. I've enjoyed bear season two as much as I, you know, stressed out about season six or episode six of this season with Jamie Lee Curtis, which was one of the most, I think it was six, the most stressful mm-hmm. episodes. Of don't, no spo- I actually don't want any spoilers because I haven't okay, watched the bear fine. yet and I'm going to. That's fine. 
That's all I'm going to say. It's one of the most stressful episodes of television you may watch. I'm just prepping you okay. as someone who cares about you pastorally and personally. <laughs> um, but I think the two shows that really come to mind as kind of keeping the heart of goodwill alive in this country. As I'm sitting here thinking about the the time is really short between us and the next presidential election. The time is really short with us and whatever's going on in the world are two shows. And one, I think I've touched on before on the show. So that's why I was reticent to talk about it again. And one, I don't know whether I've talked about, but the first is the final season of reservation dogs. Mm. I love this show. I just started watching this week. The first season. It's such a good show. It's It's such a good show and the acting and the writing and the culture and the, scope and the, the the stretch of time and the compactness of time the humor and the love and the love of the land and the people all of it it is one of the most impactful shows i've watched in the last decade and i love it you can watch it on hulu it's on fx it's an amazing show so i think i've mentioned it on whatever facets of this show um, we've, we've talked about. So the, the actors, young and old, because it is a show that is pan-generational. I love it. It's a great show. That's given me great hope for who we are, who we can be. Uh, and I think it's a show that tells its story of its people, regardless of saying you are listening. Mm-hmm regardless of saying the majority is listening, regardless of any of it, it is like, this is who we are. Another show that feels frivolous, yet also taps into a similar vein is the show Jury Duty, which I, I almost picked this for my pick, but I didn't. <laughs> I, was, I didn't know whether anybody else would go for it. Because um, I don't know whether this show can be replicated. I have no idea. I, I don't know how point. you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know think how it would be ethical. So this is the show where um, there is everyone in the show is an actor except for one gentleman. They have all shown up for a jury duty summons, and he doesn't know. He it's does like not the Truman know. Show. He doesn't know. He thinks that he's filming a documentary about being on jury duty. And all these things kind of seem to happen where everybody is having to be sequestered and in a hotel situation. Everybody's a slightly quirky person. And James Marsden is lovingly James Marsden turned up to 15. (laughs) And all of these aspects of the show, and particularly, spoiler alert, I'm going to pause this. If you have not watched the show, because I really deeply believe don't spoil this for yourself to watch it till the end, to watch it to the end. When they show you all of the hoops that everybody in the show moved through and jump through, whether it's through improv or whatever, to keep the hero, the hero, they never make him the butt of the joke. He continues to be the center of the show. And they continue Boy, to lift him up. he's always such a good guy. Continues <laughs> like to be him, an amazing guy. 
Yeah, they put him in situations where he could kind of be a jerk and he could sort of make fun of people. And he just goes above and beyond in in every circumstance. He goes above and beyond to be a good person. And you could say, oh, it's because the camera's in his face or, oh, it's because of this. Because he could give an easy eye roll. He could give an easy whatever. I mean, we've watched enough The Office, anything. Yeah, these people are enough over the top that you're like, uh, whatever. But it's a lovely show. Oh, Life of and, and I think Ruby and I, after watching the show, were on such a high about humanity mm-hmm. that it really put me in a place that was that was beautiful. So it's amazing. These two pieces, while being scripted and unscripted and slightly scripted and, and whatever you want to kind of put it in were two shows that really said to me, we are vast as humanity in this country. We are far deeper and greater than we might think we are. Uh, Particularly as we head into hard and dark times, which seems to always be our plight at the moment. Um, It's, it's, it gives me great hope. So uh, the jury duty show. So I'm sorry, everyone's an actor except for one guy. Mm -hmm. And thinks they're all filming a real live documentary of a jury that's being sequestered yep. and all that. Yep. And situations come up that sort of test him. He's sort of the main character in a way, I guess. Yes. yes. And he time and again uh, proves righteous and that is affirming for the viewer. Yes, they call him the hero. He is the hero. Oh, that does sound nice. What show is what channel is it on or, or streaming? Was that on, it's on Amazon well? Prime? Amazon Prime. There we go. And I think it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's everything is ridiculous from like a giant turd in a toilet, which is just stupid and like silly. That's great. To, you know, to, to protecting the dignity of people on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, protecting the dignity of another human being. And that, that, that swing is all present on the show as well. And also, like, he sat through a whole trial. Like, I mean, they scripted a whole trial that went on day after day after day for weeks. Yeah, he was sequestered. Yeah, he's sitting in a courtroom for eight hours a day listening to a trial. Uh-huh. And he's been like, taking notes and, like, really... Yeah. <laughs> like, the trial <laughs> was fake? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Everything is fake. Oh, oops. Mm-hmm. This is called Voir dire. And the English translation of the French voir dire is to speak the truth. I actually, uh, I have this trip with, um, with my girlfriend. It's our, it's our six-month anniversary. A trip? Yeah, this is the first time that we've been completely un- unsupervised. Our, our parents aren't there, so you could kind of see how that would be like a big... Sir, a vacation is not an excuse. Complete, I've heard... It's just that our parents aren't going to be around, so it's, we're really f- free to do anything that, any, anything we haven't done yet. Right. You can imagine why. I, excuse I, me. I've heard it all. And uh, going away with your girlfriend, that's not going to suffice. I'm terribly sorry. Are there any other reasons aside from this trip that you feel that you would not be able to be a good juror for this matter? Um, I, um, I, 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 sir, I'm, I'm, I also am uh, racist. Sir, please have a seat. I'm sorry, you're a racist? I uh no I'm I'm sorry I I'm not I'm not racist I um I was okay. I was told that that would, would work to Who told you that? 
Um, All right, never mind. If I put you under oath, you would attest that you are not a racist. Is no, that correct? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Counsel? I think I'm going to let this group go, Your Honor. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Dude, I can't believe you said that. That was crazy. Okay. Well, um, Betsy, I don't know if you know this, but famous, well, famous, noted character actor Kirk Fox is in both Reservation Dogs and... Yes! He's in both of them! Yes! Yes! Which, that was the thing that Karen, when she was watching, the, when we were watching Jury Duty together, she was like, I get that he oh recognizes James Marsden as Zach. He doesn't recognize Kirk Fox. It's like, Come on. Is he not watching <laughs> Reservation Dogs season two and three? Come on. But yeah. Get it's, uh, it together. It's yeah, no. I, I no. got to say, if I were sequestered with James Marsden, I would have no problem with, you know, a big reveal. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. James, James, you know, he needs to be at his house. He's a famous actor. He really, I don't know where he can be at the hotel. So he, he hires private security to stay at his house. With him. He's kind of a dick. It's really funny. He's really that's funny. what's fun about it is it, but that he's he's actually nice. It's also the, the clincher for the James Marsden thing is that he's an alternate juror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, great. So funny. We have one Liz person is, left. And can we just Liz. say Liz is stretching? She's put in different headphones. Already? Like I took out happening. my headphones because I didn't want to hear you guys spoiling reservation. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so I was gonna do the Barbie movie because that's actually like a cultural touchstone of 2023, but that's not it. That's not it for me. So I'm actually gonna pick kind of like a random meta podcast that I have just been finding so very delightful. And um I'll keep this quick because we're running out of time here. Betsy's just leaving. Oh, I'm listening. I'm just she's leaving us to stare at her wall wall of multicolored vulvas behind her. Oh. <laughs> Is that what those are? I think they're supposed to be leaves. But... <laughs> Is that what a vulva looks like? Uh, <laughs> not, not really. I mean, it's sort of. Right. Yeah. It's reminiscent. It's vulva reminiscent. You should just Google that one day, Ricardo, just so you know. Vulva? Okay. Yeah, just so you all, know what's going all on. That's, all that's staying in the pot. Right. Isn't that a river in Russia? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story of my pick for 2023. Recently, I started re-watching The Sopranos. That's not exactly my pick. But I watched The Sopranos when it first came out, but I was very young, like a teenager. So not very young, but young enough that like I don't really remember it and I wasn't really getting it when I watched it. And I think that like I think that my mom had a coworker who would record it on VHS and then she would take it home from work and we would watch it one episode at a time. Um, so that's my memory of The Sopranos. I decided to rewatch it recently. Super glad that I did. Like, it is really, really good. I don't know if you all have watched The Sopranos recently. It is, it's better than I thought it was and pretty great in 2023 because it's sort of a show about the death of the American dream, which I feel like we've kind of caught up to in a different way than maybe in the early 2000s. But anyway, I'm loving it. I'm a few episodes away from the end. 
But as I was watching it, I thought, I wonder if there's a podcast I could listen to as I rewatch it that helps me really understand what I'm watching. Well, is there ever? Mm -hmm. There's a podcast called Talking Sopranos, and it is hosted by um, Michael Imperioli, who plays Christopher, Mm -hmm. and Steve Sharipa, who plays um, Bobby Bacala the guy who ended up marrying Tony's sister. Mm -hmm. And so it's the two of them. And it started, they started recording just as the, as the pandemic was starting. So you sort of journey through that whole experience with them, but it's these two guys who are working actors who have been friends for now more than 20 years. And in addition to they, they break down every episode but then they also have a guest on every podcast who is affiliated with the show somehow. And what's very sweet to see is how this whole community of people will still remember those years of doing The Sopranos as like a highlight of their lives and of their professional lives. And they really created this kind of community and this family as they took these really big risks in television. Like they was kind of the first show of its kind. And they've all maintained these relationships over the years. But what is just very sweet as you listen to it is the friendship of these two guys who are just totally different. Like Michael Imperioli is a very serious practicing Buddhist. He's um, a recovering addict, a vegetarian. Um, Steve Sharipa is like the opposite of all of those things. But both of them are men who are very devoted to their families and um, who are actors in the way that, I mean, you know, they've done well, but like they're, they're not super famous, you know, but they've made careers as working actors and they just have this friendship that is adorable. Like they're kind of teasing each other all the time and getting, you can't tell if they're really mad at each other, but then this like depth of warmth and love, and um, it's just very sweet. So I feel like I'm listening now after all these episodes, like I feel like they're my friends sort of, and I'm going to be really sad when the podcast ends. Cause I've just kind of, I just kind of love these guys. Well, he went to jail cause he was robbing nightclubs. He was sticking yeah, up nightclubs. Shaking them down. So he would shake them down. First he would start fights. He'd bring a bunch of guys and start fights and bother people. So the owners would either pay him off. And if they didn't, then he would. But before that, he was a doorman or a bouncer. Uh, there was a club in the village near Sheridan Square he worked at in the late 60s. I think it was called Sanctuary. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And he said he used to give Jimi Hendrix a wedgie. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy lived in the village. He had his studio on 8th Street, Electric Lady, and he used to go to the club. And Tony said he used to give him a wedgie. That's hilarious. Which is really bizarre. The, well, uh, the it, image uh, well, of is Holy Walnuts... Bi- and well, Jimi Hendrix. Is it more bizarre that when we went to see Tom Jones in Vegas, right? You right, were there. Tom, oh, we there were all a, there. We, we, and we went backstage. And, Tom Jones at the MGM Grand. It was a, a tremendous show. And Great I love show. Tom. He's a really good dude. And, and he announced us from the stage. And it was Jim and me and you and a bunch of the guys. We went backstage. We had a little party. And Sirico... As it's talking to Tom, and it turns out they used to bang the same woman. Right. Tony and Tom is, said not at the same time, though. <laughs> I think that was from what? those club days. Uh, 
So, so what is more than that? Tom Jones and Tony, the bros go, the, uh, they go after the same type of guy. You know what I mean? Well, Tony was a ladies man, apparently, you know, you know, he was, he was a good looking guy in his day in great shape. There was a, a, a porno magazine called Viva. It was like for women. Uh-huh. in the 70s and he was a cover star in one of them he's wearing like a uh a one piece like a freddie mercury outfit. yeah yeah one piece i saw and it. he's, he's he got showed me those pictures out. yeah yeah and he's like a bodybuilder he was huge and don't ever touch his hair joking around ever you're gonna have a problem no that was <laughs> that is true uh they threw them I, all the way i love tony sirico they threw them all the way there's one of a kind that's it he would spray a cloud of hairspray and then let it fall. Yeah. Not directly on the hair. I've seen it. <laughs> That's like how long it would take. I'm not kidding. I've seen it. And, it's, you know, as you all know, I love work. I love stories about work. In a way, The Sopranos is a story about work. They're mobsters. But what's sweet about the podcast is the work that they did was creating this really like cultural touchstone sort of one episode at a time and like not really understanding what was happening or where it was going. You know, James Gandolfini was such a huge impact on their lives. And of course he ended up passing away. They talk about him a lot. They have the kids come back who are all adults now and it's just wonderful. So I don't know if it would be any fun to listen to if you weren't also watching The Sopranos, because uh-huh. the second half of every episode, they go through like almost scene by scene. But the first half of the episode is them interviewing guests who worked on the show. And um, anyway, it's just been great talking Sopranos um, and The Sopranos has been my favorite thing of 2023. I also like the Barbie the- movie. Because that's fun to kind of know. It isn't like, hey, this podcasting is a new medium. So it's yeah. been like four years. And so now we're doing this. And oh, no, James Gandolfini's died in the middle. So it's like there really is this distance. Yeah. And, and you can to it. Yeah. And you can see Michael Imperial, like in the, you know, seeing him later on like White Lotus. White and Lotus, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As this. Now in almost a James Gandolfini age, yeah, he was kind of a kid in um, yeah, in The Sopranos, and now he's um, you know, in his fifties, and mm-hmm. um, and Steve Sharipa is great. Like he um, he was never an actor. I mean, he obviously became an actor, but he was a Las Vegas um, like he ran events for one of the big casinos in Vegas. And then the kind of on a lark, he decided mm. to um, audition for The Sopranos and it ended up changing his life. And uh, he really because then he wasn't an actor, but he really took acting seriously. Then he's like, oh, my God, I need to like get a coach. I need to take classes. I need to do all this stuff. And they're also like, you know, guys about town. So they're talking about New York and they'll do uh, it's just so cute. Like they'll be talking about a scene like everyone is sitting around eating sandwiches and then they'll be like, do you like, you know, Capicola? Oh, you know, I really liked it. And they'll just go on this whole tangent about like some other thing. And mm-hmm. then they come back to it and like, what's your favorite restaurant in New York? Or let me tell you a story about this guy who's a great tipper or this guy mm-hmm. who wasn't. It's just very sweet. It's interesting that um, Greg is runner up and your pick are these, what are they called? The Looking Back podcast? The Recap podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recap podcast. 
I, I didn't realize that was a thing, but it sounds like it is. Okay, I, so I, my my recap podcast isn't actually a podcast. Like it's it's a but big, it's a parody of recap yeah. podcast. Oh, it's a parody. Oh, right. yeah, okay. but but I mean, yeah, it's enough of a thing that there are parodies about yeah. it. Do you is there like an I Love Lucy? Recap? Probably. I'm yeah. sure there must be. Yeah. William would love that. I could get him to listen to that with me. I'm sure there is. So Liz, the thing is, I mean, I've seen Sopranos, the show, not all of it. I just, I, the violence. really. Oh, it's so violent. I have to watch it like this. Sometimes like I'll put my hands in front of the screen. And last night I watched an episode where I did that and I turned off the sound. And occasionally I would just peek to be like, is it over? Is it over? Is it, is it still feel like as bad as. Yeah. I'm trying to think, do I watch anything that's as violent now or could push violence more? I'm sure you do. I mean, there is, but I don't know whether I really do. Like, I mean, cause like if I'm thinking about shows that I watch like that, I'm really watching the Sopranos. I'm watching the wire. I'm watching things that are of that time. And I'm not as drawn to shows now that are like that. I mean, a house of cards or whatever, like mm-hmm. where someone's really getting a beat down in a way that is uncomfortable. The violence feels pretty realistic too, which is also scary. Mm-hmm. Like the fight, you know how sometimes when you see fighting, you think like, oh man, if you really fought like that, you wouldn't be getting up. Like right, on yeah. this show, the fighting looks like guys fighting and that makes it even scarier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the psychological stuff, like just how intimidating the mafia mm-hmm. people are, like uh, Tony Soprano. I just, oh, I didn't like him. Oh, no. And it's well, that transition and- where you, I, this is the first time I remember a TV show doing this, this transition where you realize, like, why am I rooting for the bad guy? Mm-hmm. And then you have mm-hmm. to, kind of, so it's very um, uncomfortable in that way that you have to sort of examine that and. And for me now as an adult, after all of my years in therapy, the therapy angle is like fascinating and so funny. It's so much funnier than I ever thought that it was the Mm -hmm. whole show. But yeah, all of that is great. But to to see like this legit sociopath. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can't remember how far into the show each of these characters hosting this podcast made it. Michael Imperioli's character, Christopher, made it up until like a couple episodes before the end. And then yeah. I think Bobby, I haven't seen him die yet, but he's going to die in the next couple episodes. There's a line that Tony has in the very first episode. And I think it's like maybe the first line that he says to Melfi, which is like, it feels like I came in at the end or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. I've never, th- I've always thought about that in terms of like, okay, so like the mafia is sort of crumbling, but like, mm-hmm. you know, when you were talking about this idea of work and jobs, like, this is a career that's falling apart and that's where the show starts is like, what does it look like when what your family has done for generations is falling apart? Maybe that's why it's appealing for me at this time in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the the institution is is falling apart. The institution (laughs) is crumbling around us. It's just just fun for a show to give you the thesis statement, like right at the beginning, you know? It's true. And I I think that it was about the mafia in the show, obviously, but it's really about American. It's about the American dream, I think. Yeah. Mm It's about empire in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you made it. A, I mean, it, it's such a dark show itself, but this podcast sounds like it's a, a really warm hearted thing. Yeah, know? it is. 
And if there's any theme to all four of our picks, it's kind of like this kind of sweet or loving or poignant or warm-hearted or relational thing that has really, I don't know, kind of touched us this year. I like that. Maybe we're mature now. Yeah. Finally. Well, at least we're seeking it in the midst of everything else that's going on for damn sure, right? We want it. We're looking for it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, So that's it. That's another episode of Popping Collars in the Books. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening all year long, you guys. We've put out a lot of podcasts this year, and uh, Mm -hmm. we are grateful for each and every one of our listeners. You can support your favorite Episcopal podcast by buying our merch. Just go to poppingcollegepodcast.com, click the little tab at the top. You'll find our store full of fabulous items, a mug, you know, things to get for Christmas. Yes. Yes. This episode comes out before Christmas. Get yeah. some stuffers for oh. your Oh my God. Oh, Ricardo's got a in his shirt. shirt. Oh, oh, nice. Oh. Cute. Really cool. Cute. Yeah. I got a compliment from someone on my t shirt, and it was my husband. Ooh. Oh, and we know he's hard to please. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, yay merch. Get it. Yay merch. Get the merch. So yeah, so so the seven bucks that you would have given the mm-hmm. National Cathedral to go for Christmas, just uh, spend that in our merch <gasps> store, and you'll. Greg, nice. damn, <laughs> Greg, <laughs> come on! And with that, that is popping collars for this time. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Betsy. We'll see you next time. And keep those collars popped. Pop pop. Yay. Wow, oh, look at that shirt. It's a great nice. shirt. It's a great shirt. Oh my gosh, it looks like you're wearing like a bulletproof. a little bit, Ricardo. Like your strapping chest. No wonder oh. William likes it. You and me, I know that last night we lit the liquor talk. I can't remember everything we said, but we said it all. You told me that you wish I was somebody you never met But baby, baby, something's telling me